This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. For $75 off your first order, visit molekule.com and enter the, the promo code FULL75. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, April 25th, and we're discussing chart industries. I'm your host, Nick Seipel, and today I'm joined by Molly Fool contributor Jason Hall via Skype. How you doing, Jason? Earnings season is upon us, my friend. Yeah, it's been a big week. I mean, yesterday we had Tesla, Microsoft, PayPal, uh, all and Facebook all reporting on the same day. You know, we've got uh, you know me and me and uh, Matt Delalo last week previewed some energy names. You know, t- took a look at uh, Ken and Morgan's earnings. You know, it's just we're, we're in the we're in the throes of it right now, Jason. I know you've got a lot of work on your plate. Uh, how's it been treating you? Yeah, so Nucor, you know, steel company. We we talked a lot about steel recently. Um, Nucor reported and a pretty solid quarter. Actually, they. Uh, earnings were better this quarter than a year ago. And you remember last year was a record profit year. Uh, there were a couple of little things that kind of caught my attention, a little bit of weakening in a couple of metrics. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not going to predict the end of the steel cycle here, but um, I'm starting to pay a lot closer attention right now. Yeah, something to continue watching. I mean, as we mentioned, you know, we talked about Nucor a couple of weeks ago. Just the way their management is able to kind of ride through the cycle gives you a good indication of where things are moving in the steel industry. So definitely a company mm-hmm. to pay attention to. Um, you know, Jason, as I mentioned off the top of the show, our topic today is Chart Industries. This is a company uh, that, that is really making some moves and is going to be an important player in the evolving. LNG market as it plays out over the coming years. Before we dive into that, though, I want to update on some oil news that we got this week. So, on Monday, United States uh, officials announced that they were going to uh, lift waivers that they had put in place uh, uh, on uh, sanctions against Iranian crude. So, back in November, the U.S. backed out of the Obama era uh, nuclear deal with Iran and reimposed sanctions on Iran. However, uh, most of the major uh, countries that receive imports of oil uh, from Iran were exempted from that over a period of time. However, those waivers are going to expire on May 2nd, and the administration has announced they're not going to renew those. Jason, as we get this news out, obviously, Iran is a major global producer of oil, and taking any of that supply off the market is going to affect prices. How should investors be responding to this news? How should we be thinking about it? So, I think just like anything when it comes to oil prices, um, things can change very quickly. Uh, and 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 typically they do, so I I, I wouldn't. I, this is just like any other major piece of information about supply. Um, I don't necessarily think it's something I would call investable. Um, if you're if you're interested in, in investing in oil and gas, you you it's, same rules apply. Find your lowest cost producers. Find companies that have a durable competitive advantage, um, and that's and that's and that's where that's where you're going to find opportunity. Uh, this so you know. Just just another just another announcement that's going to affect global supply in some way, and May second they expire. They're saying they're not going to renew it. Yeah, let's see what they say on May third. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and we've already seen. You know, China is the biggest purchaser of Iranian oil. Turkey's also a major producer. Both of them have came out and indicated that you know they're in opposition to the unilateral sanctions being put in place by the USA. Mm-hmm. So it's right. to be determined what response those those you know buyers of Iranian oil. 
may have. Uh, there are some question marks. You mentioned, you know, if this oil does come off the market in a meaningful way, who's going to make up the gap? The first, you know, person folks think about is Saudi Arabia. How, however, they're they're feeling a little snake bit after mm-hmm. back in November when the U.S. put in sanctions in the first place. Saudi Arabia expected this Iranian oil to come off the market. However, these exemptions were put in place, and all of a sudden we had an oversupply scenario. The global price of oil moved down. So, so Saudi Arabia has not committed uh, to increasing its output of oil. So we'll just have to see where this new supply might come from. And th- this is layered on top of Venezuela is having continuing issues of their supply coming off the market, and you've got some civil unrest in Libya, which is also another major producer. So again, as we look at these Iran sanctions continuing to play out, it's another part of this global tapestry of uh, you know how oil, global oil supplies are moving around. Something to pay attention to. Like you said, probably not investable, but something to be aware of. Absolutely. All right, Jason. Now. Uh, before we dive too deep into chart, I do want to just talk a little bit about what the opportunity is in LNG and kind of what the thesis is. Because what really appears to be driving the business for chart, and we'll talk about this in more detail in the second half of the show, is this global LNG market. So, so Jason, just for our listeners who may not be familiar, first off, what is LNG? And then why do we think this market is going to have to grow at least over the coming five to 10 years? So LNG, liquefied natural gas, you go drill a hole in the ground and you pull natural gas out, it's in a gaseous state. That's at ambient temperature, it's, 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 it's a gas. Uh, the, that's, that's fine here in North America or in parts of Europe uh, where the supplies are. You can put in great big giant pipelines and you can pipeline it wherever you need to really, really cheaply. So it's easy to move around to use as energy uh, in relatively regional uh, considerations. But you want to start getting all this huge uh, wash of natural gas that we have in North America, and you want to monetize it where the demand is growing in Southeast Asia, uh, parts of Europe that are looking to reduce their reliance on coal, um, parts of Africa where there's economic growth and maybe areas that don't have the supplies. Uh, you, you supercool it into a liquid. Uh, the energy density greatly increases. In other words, you can get substantially more natural gas as a liquid into the same size, into the, into the, into a certain space. So you can put it on these big tankers. You can ship it around the world in a lot more cost-effective uh, manner. Um, so really, the thesis for for LNG is that there are a few key places in the world where there are massive supplies of it. You have Australia with a ton of it. You have the U.S. and and Canada with a ton of it. Um, and kind of how this all ties into chart. Um, we'll talk a little bit more, but chart essentially makes some really important uh, pieces of equipment that facilitate turning natural gas into a liquid, getting it onto a container ship, and then getting it where the demand the demand is. Uh, but it's huge. I mean, if you think about um, what's what's happening right now in the United States, uh, FERC, F-E-R-C, uh, the is the federal agency that oversees. Um, the, the facilities, the approval of the facilities, these liquefied natural gas producing and export facilities. I think right now we have, what's the exact number, Nick? Do you know off the top of your head? Is it 13 that are 18 that have been approved? Yeah, so so there's 18 proposed or in pre-filings, and I think there were a dozen uh, that were that have been approved as of you know the last year or so. So, so right. a large number of projects. And when you think about these projects, you know, these aren't you know, these are multi, multi-billion dollar projects, really, really significant uh, capital invested in these things. So if you think about, you know, 30 of these, so 12 that are already, you know, up and running and approved and 18 that are in the process, that is a lot of cash yeah. behind those behind those projects. Oh, yeah. The, the small ones can cost $10 billion to build. 
the big ones can cost $20, 25000000000 billion to build. There, there, there's just a substantial amount of capital that's, that's, that's already, that's already you know, been essentially earmarked for these, for these facilities that are going to be built. And right now, this year, we're starting to see um, the, the first really large number. There's, I think there's only a couple that are in operation in the U.S. right now. Uh, but this year, there's going to be several more coming online. And I think between now and 2023, we're probably going to see a half a dozen um, or more additional ones that are going to come online. Um, so I think Chart Industry says that they're 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 targeting right now what's approved, the ones that you know maybe there's already shovels in the ground um, starting to work. You know they're saying that they have maybe as much as 800 million dollars in in opportunity for revenue just on these big LNG deals. So that's that's pretty big. Yeah, and we'll move on to chart second half of the show. Just a couple of things I just want to want to draw through, kind of highlight what Jason mentioned. Obviously, the, the main thesis is here is there is just a huge spread between what the price is of natural gas in the U.S. and these places that have large amounts of natural gas versus versus the prices in the places where where, where people really want it. So places like China and India that have a huge huge demand for energy, but just don't have the natural resources that we're fortunate enough to have in the U.S. So you've got lots of companies, producers of natural gas in the U.S. and these low cost places want. To liquefy that natural gas, send it overseas, and just pocket that spread, and so it's a really big opportunity. As we've had the explosion of shale in the past decade, opening up access to, you know, uh, fuels that we never thought we'd have access to before. Just to give you a number, uh, global energy demand is, is set to grow by 18 percent by 2035. Natural gas is expected to be 40 percent of that growth. Uh, part of it is because the prices of natural gas are coming down. It's also part of it is that natural gas is just a much cleaner burning fuel. You have places like China that has just, for a long period of time, struggled with issues with smog and emissions. So they've allocated a lot of government capital to try to solve that problem. And one of the the solutions to that is LNG uh, that we're providing, you know, from the U.S. and, and across the world. And Chart fits into that. Um, so we're going to talk talk about specifically the, the the services and products that Chart provides on the back half of the show. But first, we want to give you a message from our sponsor. This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. Molecule has introduced a breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. Their technology has been personally effective and verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people. Molecule has given allergy and asthma sufferers around the country an all-new experience. Molecule destroys airborne pollutants on a molecular level with technology that's been developed for over 20 years by the director of the Clean Energy Research Center at the University of South Florida. Molecule's patented dual filtration system and proprietary photoelectrochemical oxidation can break down a pollutant to its basic harmless components. Folks all across the Fool have molecules and love them. I know our own Jim Mueller has a, has a couple in his home. If you use our offer code, you can try out Molecule for yourself and see why Fools across the company have made a Molecule part of their daily lives. For $75 off your first order, visit molekule.com and enter the promo code FOOL75. That's molekule.com and promo code FOOL75. All right, Jason. Now let's talk about kind of how chart fits into this whole LNG story. You mentioned when we talked about the LNG market, how uh, natural gas comes out uh, comes out of the ground or out of the well in a gaseous form, and then you can move that from place to place um, via pipelines. At least you know when when you're when you're moving you know across land. However, if you want to ship LNG over a long distance, uh, you know via whether it's um, whether by by rail or you want to send it uh, uh, more 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 likely uh, by ship, you have to put it into a into a liquefied state, and that requires supercooling that gas 
down enough until until the natural gas liquefies, and that's where Chart fits in. So, Jason, do you want to talk a little bit about the products and services that Chart uh, provides to liquefy that gas, and and, and what kind of happens, what, what the special sauce is for Chart that makes that happen, and the value they create. Yeah, Chart Chart describes itself as a cryogenic gas processing equipment manufacturer. So the roots of, of, of its business are more in the industrial gas side. And we'll talk a little bit about that where it sells uh, equipment to industrial gas companies. Um, so, but when it comes to the natural gas kind of side of thing, this is, this is really where the growth thesis lives uh, is in building the equipment uh, for liquefaction. So it's uh, raised uh, heat exchangers and air-cooled heat exchangers um, that help turn the natural gas into the liquid state. Uh, these are typically pretty expensive, complex uh, pieces of equipment. So this business is very peak and si- uh, peak and valley driven based on the demand cycle, um, based on capital allocation uh, budgets for the you know the industry industry uh, the the energy industry and its its big buyers. Now it also um, has. Uh, the equipment for it manufactures the equipment for storage. Uh, so you think about um, uh, big potential growth market coming out of this LNG supply is natural gas and transportation. Mm-hmm. So, for example, an over-the-road tractor trailer uh, needs a large supply of fuel. So, Chart makes the fuel tanks that would go on uh, a tractor trailer. Uh, it also makes the cryogenic storage tanks for, uh, like a biomedical application. So you think about, um, some of the, some of the applications where that kind of come in. Actually, it's kind of a funny little side play. They've started talking about how they, some of the equipment that they manufacture actually has some real practical applications, um, in the pot business. So we're, we're not going to talk about it as a cannabis stock, but Somebody is probably going to start talking about it as a cannabis stock at some point here soon. Um, so, but if you think about again that core business, it's about turning uh, gaseous state uh, things into liquids. In this case, natural gas, storing them, and also uh, kind of moving them from place to place, being able to distribute those those fuels. So the business is divided up into. Uh, they've kind of recently changed it, but they're, 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 they have an energy and chemicals segment, which obviously focuses on uh, large energy industry customers. And also that's where you see a lot of their um, the industrial gas customers are going to be kind of in that energy and chemical segment. Uh, and then they have uh, a distribution and storage business that they divide up into two geographical regions. There's distribution and storage west, which is is, is the Americas. It's mainly uh North America, more than anything, that's where most of that, that volume happens. And then you have East, which is you know kind of the rest of the world, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Yeah, I mean, just just basically, not not to get too technical about about what chart does, but basically, like like Jason said, if you have a gas of any kind, whether it's natural gas, natural gas liquids, uh, carbon dioxide, they talk about using liquefied carbon dioxide for, for the cannabis applications. They also have applications you know, for, for hydrogen when you use for fuel cells and things like that. Chart makes what essentially look like these big metal boxes that super cool that, uh, that material down uh, so it can be used for whatever industrial application they have. And then they make the material that once you've cooled it down, will keep it cool uh, for transportation, which, of course, uh, as we mentioned, for, for LNG, it's really key uh, uh, to 
taking uh, LNG from markets where, where there's a huge you know, oversupply or, or there's some surplus, like in the US, and bringing it to places where there's a shortage, like China, India, things like that. And, and uh, you mentioned, uh, too, Jason, that sometime, you know, Chart, as a company that is dependent on you know, the, the hydrocarbon investment cycle, particularly tied to natural gas, there's going to be ups and downs. And, and Chart has been, has been no, uh, no exception to that. Chart kind of hit its peak uh, back just before the beginning of 2014, uh, when there had been that big, big swing up in the shale industry, and there's, there was a lot of kind of bullish sentiment uh, for for where you know natural gas could go. However, around that time, uh, China really cut their demand for equipment, and Chart was punished um, and really kind of bottomed out down in 2016. But it's really starting to trend back up, Jason. As we kind of see how Chart has has changed over these past few years and repositioned itself. What's kind of changed with the business, and uh, is the business healthier today than it might have been back then when it hit its all-time highs? Yeah, I think I think there's no doubt that it's healthy, and to a certain extent, you know, it's it was uh, there was just a lot of bad timing. Um, management had made the decision to kind of go whole hog into China and invested a ton of capital to build out manufacturing capacity there. Uh, and at the same time, it had gone on, on, on a little bit of a spending spree, kind of building a bigger business, but not necessarily a better business. Uh, it, it acquired some some biomedical, kind of uh, personal biomedical use stuff. So you think about somebody that needs an oxygen concentrator, maybe they have COPD or something like that. So they bought that. You know, some of that. Some uh, they bought some companies that do that, but they really didn't fit in kind of the company's core manufacturing competencies. So anyway, so then then the worst case scenario happens, right? Uh, pretty much everybody uh, was bullish on natural gas and, and all of its potential pro- uh, prospects right when all of the material spenders said, okay, we're just not going to spend anything there and caught got, uh, you know, chart got caught at the top. And uh, as a result, the past probably four years or so, the company has spent a lot of time Kind of restructuring the business. It sold off Care Medical, which was all of that uh, the, like the personal oxygen concentrators business last year. Uh, they've consolidated a lot of their manufacturing um, to to better leverage the operations to improve gross margins, put them closer to customers, um, put them in a situation where their shipping costs would be better for you know if, for things that they're shipping to customers are not necessarily close to. Um, and it's it's certainly I mean it's it's paid off. It really has. I mean they. they it might not look like it if you just look at the last quarterly reports, but you know, looking going back a few years ago, margins are are bouncing back. Uh, their operating income is better. Operating cash flows have certainly gotten much stronger um, over the past three years. The company's also continued to make some acquisitions too. But if you look at them, those acquisitions have been really, really focused um, on things to to strengthen the core business. One thing they did, I think it's been three years ago now, was they bought. Uh, a business that was really focused on the on the aftermarket services side. Uh, this is really important, especially going forward as Chart is more and more invested in the energy industry as a customer, because the cycle to 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 allocate capital to buy the the, the expensive stuff Chart makes can be so peak and valley driven. Um, Chart will be able to generate more consistent revenue by providing services to those customers to maintain and support the equipment that it really wasn't doing as much of. So that was a really nice, a really nice smart acquisition a few years ago. More recently, uh, they, the company bought VRV, which is uh, based in Europe, which uh, was interesting because uh, they, they're, they're kind of in the same business, but they sold to different customers and kind of some different products. So it helps chart expand 
kind of the, make their core a little bit bigger. And at the same time, uh, they announced a couple of uh, deals in India recently and VRV's management through their contacts and their relationships uh, kind of led that push. So now Chart is positioned really well to take advantage of the growth and demand for liquefied natural gas, particularly in India. So it's really interesting what's happened. And I think a really important thing to mention is that this has happened. Uh, the company's gone through three CEOs, just kind of through a strange series of events. It moved its corporate headquarters uh, from Ohio to, to just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. So a number of key executives left the company, which is not uncommon when a company moves its headquarters like that. Um, but through all of that that corp, that churn in, in, in management, Companies continue to execute on its strategy to kind of build a better, more profitable, more nimble, more lean business. And, and, and it's really paying off the timing that killed Chart in 2014, 2015. It's flipped the other way now because the company is really, really positioned to be lean and mean and really nail it um, as these decisions are made to, to, and to build out these liquefied natural gas facilities. Right. Exactly, Jason. And, and, and what's interesting is, you know, the 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 story when it comes to uh, the spread between natural gas prices among countries how how countries want to have cleaner energy that that story is still the same however the enthusiasm behind uh, behind this this industry has really waned off so I think I think you know that the story has not changed however the valuation has changed and from an investing point of view that's something you know I, I want to uh, kind of call attention to. Um, you right. know, we, we've talked about how the company has changed over the past several years. They just reported earnings on April 18th. Let's talk a little bit about where the company is today and kind of where their trajectory is uh, going forward. So, kind of uh, you know, some some good signs with their earnings back uh, you know back in April 18th. Uh, some some not so good signs. I just kind of want to get your thoughts on this. So, revenue was up about 19 percent, orders up 60 percent. However. Earnings per share down around 83% year over year, and gross margin has fell, fallen by a little over 4%, 420 basis points. Jason, when you look at that at that earnings number, what should investors be taking away? How should we think about those uh, that report? So a couple a couple of things. A chart is still uh, kind of at the tail end of some of its restructuring. Uh, so what that means is there are going to be some non-recurring expenses that hit its gap. It's generally uh, acceptable accounting um, practices. Uh, earnings per share number. Uh, so I think it's important that you that you look at the adjusted number as well, with the caveat that what is what are the adjustments, what is management saying behind it? Because every company is going to have something that they can adjust every quarter, right? Mm-hmm. So knowing the difference between uh, a, 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 a really good adjustment that makes sense uh, versus an adjustment to try to meet Wall Street's number is really important. Um, so I, I think that's an important thing to know. Like for example, uh, the company took a seven point four million dollar expense in the quarter uh, that was that was unexpected, and and they said they did it because they identified as part of you know starting to roll in some of these like the VRV acquisition is starting to roll some of these things in together. They identified a way that's going to put six and a half million dollars a year on the operating income line. So you spend $7.4 million one time to pick up $6.5 million every year going forward. That's that's okay. That's a smart decision to make. Yeah. And, so and, yeah, I think go ahead. Yeah. And go if ahead, you adjust Nick. for that, I I believe uh, you know, the gross margin actually trended up. So that, mm-hmm. it's something to be yep. aware of as you look at kind of the gap accounting uh, strategy. Any, any last thoughts on, on the earnings report, Jason, before we kind of move on to where we can kind of see the trajectory of this business moving forward? 
Yeah, again, I think because again, because you're gonna see so much cyclicality in, in its results, even from quarter to quarter, you really want to look at the trends, right? That's that's the main thing. And if you look at the company, you know, now versus two or three years ago, it's it's operating cash flows. And cash flows are harder to manipulate than 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 gap earnings using adjustments. So if you look at the operating cash flows, it's certainly it's certainly trending in the right direction. And that's that's kind of where you want to live right now. Yeah. Uh, and let's, you know, talk about their earnings. They they increased their revenue guidance. Uh, you know, they, it was previously in a one point two six billion to one point three one billion range. They've trended that up uh, by, uh, you know, what, uh, 500 million across the board or five million uh, across the board. Uh, they, they've said that their opportunities for big LNG, they moved those up. It was a 400 to 5 million projection, now 600 to 800 yeah. million projection. So, so management really across the board uh, increasing its guidance uh, as they look forward. They, they, it really seems to be fire on all cylinders, Jason. I mean, what, what, obviously, you never know what you're going to get from, from the global commodity market, but I mean, what, what is, is going to run into the way of, of this company's growth or what, what could disrupt what seems to be what has to happen from an LNG point of view? So I think I think what it's one of the things that makes me pretty optimistic is just the sheer number of these uh, LNG export facilities that have been approved and that final investment decisions have already been made on. So it's not just getting the regulatory approval; um, it's it's the company that's behind it has has leased or purchased land to build it on. Right? They've they've done that. They've signed a contract with. Um, a construction company that's gonna that's gonna be you know the general contractor to build to build it. So, you know they've lined up investors to that have committed to to start spending money. So you're seeing a ton of that, and that means that even if you know a third or a quarter of these don't don't get built, or they don't get built for five years longer out than we're expecting, there's still a tremendous tremendous. Uh, amount of 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 these <laughs> these orders that these these facilities that are going to get built and another thing too this was this was really really huge if you looked at charts backlog and this is this is their committed backlog this is customers have signed on the dotted line paid a deposit or some other way of material locked into to buying equipment I think it's the biggest it's been in I don't know like four or five years it's pretty pretty substantial and what makes that really interesting is that. Charts backlog pretty much never goes up from the end of one year to the beginning of the next year. It always declines because companies spend money at the end of the year and they don't spend money at the beginning of the year. Charts backlog went up like, I don't know, 40% or some significant number. It's booked orders went up like 60%. So these are, those are really, really positive trends that this is, this is kind of the real deal that this is, you know, things are good. Yeah, and on that sixty percent number, it's worth mentioning fifty-one percent of that. If you if you take the acquisitions out, they're still at fifty percent. So fifty percent of that is you know organic from the existing business. Um, right. Really good positioning. We haven't even mentioned uh, that outside of LNG, you know, from the traditional way we think we think of how natural gas being used. There's been uh, some some real developments when it comes to using LNG as a fuel. So I know. Uh, Chart signed some some deals in Germany. Germany has recently uh, put some legislation into place that you don't have to pay any toll road fees if you if you if your truck uses liquefied natural gas for its fuel. So Chart has signed some deals to do that. Uh, President Trump signed an executive order earlier this year uh, that uh, pushed the, the Federal Railroad Administration to alter rules allowing shipment of liquefied natural gas by rail. Obviously, as there's uh, you know rules allowing easier shipment of natural gas by rail, that's going to increase. Uh, demand for liquefied uh, uh, services. So, 
you're getting you're getting you know the spread is a tailwind between between places like the U.S. and the rest of the world, but as well from a regulatory point of view on using LNG as just a fuel in, in vehicles and things mm-hmm. like that, there appears to be uh, you know some tailwinds there. You mentioned that they think the cannabis opportunity over the long term can be a multiple hundred million dollar opportunity. Uh, they think they think fuel cells can, can be a big opportunity for them from the hydrogen point of view. So, it seems to right. me obviously it's going to be choppy depending on demand. But Chart has a lot of tailwinds behind them uh, yeah. it, it, for what they do, which is very interesting from an investing point of view. Agreed, agreed. Uh, well, one thing that we haven't mentioned too is the just the, the domestic petrochemicals growth. I think there's something like two hundred billion dollars in in investments that have been greenlighted to build out petrochemical manufacturing capacity on the U.S. Gulf Coast. And it's, it's this isn't anything like as large as the LNG export facilities, but petrochemicals use natural gas as a, as a feedstock. And, and there will be applications that need that cryogenic cooling. So, so that's another, that's another uh, place where we're, we're charts probably going to continue to see growth. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the company, uh, they have targets for what they would like to see by 2021. They want to see f- uh, revenue growth greater than 40%. They, want, they think they can expand their margins by 700 basis points or more. Obviously, management is confident in their opportunity. Jason, as you look at this investment going forward, you know, the next few years, if investors are looking at buying shares today, how should they think about doing that? And, you know, when you're going to hold this company, there's going to be volatility. What investors need to keep coming back to if you're going to hold this company as part of your portfolio for the long term? Yeah, so I think because of the fact that it's so associated with with uh, natural gas right now, and that it is materially important to the growth thesis, um, as as I've said, uh, it's it's going to move. The stock is going to move with oil and gas industry news, uh, especially oil, which is bizarre. But oil gets the gets the headlines. So if you know if something's going on with oil prices, it's going to affect the daily movement of of chart sticker. So don't be surprised if you see it fall five percent one day when oil prices are up or down or or gain 5% you know, on some, some oil news for no reason. You can't find anything material in any headlines about, about chart. You just kind of have to, you're just going to have to be resigned to that just being the reality. And what you want to focus on is, so you look at those financial targets. They say they want to grow margins 700 basis points. They want 21% of their sales to be coming from those aftermarket services. Uh, they want revenue to be up 40%. So what you want to do is every time there's a quarterly report, you want to look at it and are they are they showing incremental improvement moving towards those metrics or are they giving us excuses why they're not doing it or talking about some change in strategy? So you know you kind of want to use your BS meter to measure what management is saying against what the company is doing, and I have to say, I've been very impressed uh, with uh, with their uh, with their new CEO. She's done an incredible job of leading the company from an operational perspective, continuing to focus on those things to leverage, you know, that, that that's you know seven million dollar charge this quarter that's going to put more operating income um, on the bottom line. As an example, I think as long as you see those kind of things happen, if those are the unexpected things we see happening. Then I mean, this the sky's the limit. I think it's worth owning. Again, focus on the incremental things. Focus on how it's talking about the growth of the backlog and uh, excuses versus execution, and and that's and that's kind of how you measure the company. Yeah, I, I think, and I've said this before for a lot of different cyclical companies. I think I think this company is along the same lines. You have to keep in mind. The long-term trend that you're investing in with this company—it's a over a long period of time. It appears to be 
more likely than not that LNG is going to become a more and more significant contributor to global energy output. And chart is going to be a part of that. Now, in the near term, there's anything that can happen that's going to fluctuate stuff over, you know, weeks or months or even a year or so. But what you need to pay attention to is the company is executing on what they said they're going to do, and that that long-term trend on LNG is intact. And if it is, then I think the thesis behind this company is quite bullish. Jason, I know you own some shares of this company. Should investors think about buying this today, or what are your thoughts on it at this current level? Yeah, I don't remember exactly when I when I bought last, but I have bought some time in the past sixty days, and uh, I think I think it is worth buying right now. Um, I think um, it's it's kind of the the company that uh, to quote Jim, you mentioned Jim Mueller earlier, one of the great analysts uh, at Full HQ. Um, something he's talked about is you 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 know you you know if you buy a lot and it goes down, you don't lose a lot, but if it goes up a lot, you don't need a lot. So <laughs> it's a great stock that you can kind of you know, buy a small starter position, learn more about the company and follow it. And then if there is a big decline, you will have had an opportunity to learn whether it was the thesis just blew up and, and something happened you know, that it's not, it's not worth investing more in, or it's way down and now it's an opportunity to really go after and buy more. Uh, or if it just goes way up and you follow the thesis and you're like, well, this is there's all this enthusiasm, but the company's not delivering results, and you decide you're ready to move on. You can move on at a profit, or you can say, "Hey, it's things are still going great, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna hang in there. I really like this business." So, you know, I think it's a great one that you kind of buy incrementally as well, versus just throwing your money at it and ignoring it. You want to continue to follow the story because of the cyclical nature of the business, looking for opportunities to buy more if the opportunity's there, or to move on if the thesis blows up. Yeah, and just to note, this is a company that you know we've recommended at the Fool here more than once. You know, I'm confident in. But as Jason said, I think this is this is a classic example of a company you want to buy in thirds or sixths. Really spread it out over a period of time. Pay attention to the company. Continue learning it. Follow follow the trends. And uh, you know, if you if you dollar cost average, you're you gonna um, or buy in chunks. You know, you're gonna smooth out uh, any of that volatility. Jason, thanks so much for coming on once again. Always enjoy having you, and uh, look forward to having you on again soon. It's good to be on. We should, uh, we should, what should we talk about next? Have we talked about home builders? Maybe we should talk about home builders at some point. Yeah, I'm up for it. Hey, listeners, if you've got anything you want us to talk about, tweet us at MF Industry Focus. You can also tweet me at NWS Gator. You can tweet uh, Jason at TMF Velvet Hammer on Twitter. If you got anything you want me and Jason to break down for you, uh, you know, tweet us at one of those places and uh, we'll see what we can set up for you. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass. For Jason Hall, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!